Hi, and welcome to Meet My Followers, episode number 37, for September 24th, 2010. I am your host, Kate Dworkin, and this is the podcast where I interview my actual Twitter followers. Today's guest is Dave Kirpin, at Dave Kirpin. As always, though, I have to thank this show's sponsor, Solvate. As I'm sure you heard on a previous episode of Meet My Followers, Solvate is building the country's premier on-demand workforce. If you are a consultant, freelancer, or contractor, come join me and the other top independent professionals on the platform. You can create your profile in the Solvate Talent Engine by simply heading over to Solvate.com. Completing this week of uh, you know randomly pieced together episodes, I actually sent out a random tweet. And uh, Dave Kirpin decided to uh, come on and uh, completely unexpectedly. But uh, thank you so much, Dave, for, for coming on the show. My pleasure. It's great to be here. Well, Dave, one of the things I love to do is I love to step right back and let my guests introduce themselves. Cool. So um, I'm Dave. And um, do, do, you, do you have specific things you want me to talk about or, or, or sort of run, run, run through, kid? Just give, them, just give them the kind of normal run through that, uh, you know, when, some, when you're meeting somebody for the first time in a bar. Nice. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, now that I'm married with kids, I don't meet too many people uh, for the first time in bars. But um, that's a good part of my intro. I'm, I'm happily married to um, my business partner, uh, at Carrie Kirpin, and I have two little girls, uh, Charlotte and Kate. At Charlotte Kirpin on Twitter awesome. as my seven-year-old, and um, Kate's not on in social media quite yet at, at age three. <laughs> and um, I also have a social media marketing firm called Likeable, and uh, we are thirty people strong, working with some of the greatest clients in the world, ranging from big brands to uh, smaller businesses and nonprofits and government agencies, and. Um, Hoping to change the world by making it a little bit more likable. Well, that's just great. And 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 you know, you and your business partner, your wife, started this company, correct? We did. We did. We had sort of a fun story. Um, I I I wanted a, a big wedding, and Carrie uh, was uh, was a great sport. <laughs> and so we we ended up. Uh, we we both had marketing backgrounds. And so we ended up partnering with the uh, minor league baseball team, the Brooklyn Cyclones, and we uh, created a promotion around our wedding. So, so we ended up getting sponsors to cover the cost of all of the sort of wedding vendors. So 1-800-Flowers sponsored the flowers, and Smirnoff sponsored the alcohol, and David's Bridal sponsored the bridesmaids' gowns, and so on and so forth. And we raised $100,000 for a, a pretty amazing wedding. I was able to invite all my friends and family, like, from like first grade, and so we had 500 guests and uh, 5,000 strangers watched the wedding, and we raised $20,000 for uh, MS Society. And so the event got a lot of buzz, you know, uh, ABC World News Tonight and uh, CBS Early Show, New York Times. And back in way back in 2006, we got a lot of social media buzz too, but, um, you know, Facebook wasn't open to the to the public yet beyond college. So it was mostly blogs and um uh, you know, o- online uh, news organizations. And um, the wedding was such a big hit, not only because I got to marry the, the woman of my dreams, Kate, but because, um, you know, it, it attracted a lot of marketing and PR attention. So um, some of our wedding vendors after the wedding came to us and said, what's next? <laughs> this was great. This was like the best ROI we've ever had. And I couldn't get married again. So um, I decided to start a company, and that was that was sort of the beginning of, uh, of our work in uh, word-of-mouth marketing. 
Uh, we started as the K Buzz, and, and we we uh, grew to uh, to uh, and we recently rebranded in the last few months. Wow, that is an amazing story. I did not know that that was the story I was going to get when I asked that question, right? I mean, that's something that I'll... I'll oh, that's so funny. I'll, I'll that's t- so funny. I'm I'll, t- I'll definitely tip my hand here and say, you know, most of the time when I have guests on, they're, they're good friends, people who I know their backstory, and every once in a while, it's somebody who I don't, and every once in a while, I'll get a random question in there, and I'll get a different answer than the one I was expecting, but I had no clue that was the story behind uh, you and your wife uh, getting married and then starting this business. That's phenomenal. So talk to well, me. Thank you, thank you. Talk to me a little bit about you know you you've you know obviously grown this you know initial little spark of this you know, one time event right you getting married into this now thirty people strong business you're working with large clients I mean one eight hundred flowers is no joke so you know how did what was the process behind that was it you know control growth or was it we just grow as fast as we can continue to sign contracts. Yeah, you know, it's, um, I, I really don't, you know, I have a marketing background and so does my wife, but I, I you know, I realized I was an entrepreneur, but I, I don't know a thing about business. You know, I still couldn't, couldn't, couldn't make a P&L sheet if you, if you asked me to. And so, you know, we just sort of started growing and, and, and I, the way I figured and the way I still figure is, um, the more folks we can work with, the more we can tell you know, continue to tell great stories and create great case studies, the, the better eventually our reputation will be and, and the better we'll be able to grow. Um, and I'm also sort of obsessed with uh, social media uh, technology companies. And so I follow Facebook really closely. I follow Twitter and Foursquare really closely. I'm, I'm, I know I'm real friendly with a lot of those guys. And it's really hard to grow an agency as fast as, we, as as we've grown, and it's you know obviously impossible to grow an agency as fast as those tech companies have grown. But I sort of see that as this really cool mark to shoot for, right? If 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 I can grow anywhere near the sort of crazy pace that these tech firms and social media uh, companies that I follow have grown, then I'll, I'll be I'll be thrilled. Well, that's great. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where the people that they're hiring, though, at, at you know, these tech firms that who, you know, you and I probably know a lot of the different folks in all these companies, you know, they're, they're hiring talent to throw more machines at the problem. You and I in the agency business can't do that. We have to get more talent because we need more talent. So it's, it's an interesting problem to have, but definitely something to strive for. So, you know, one of the main tenets that I keep running across with a lot of agency folks, and especially people who are doing it really successful, right? Some of the people who you had mentioned as colleagues before the show who have been on Meet My Followers, people like Jay Bear and Olivier Blanchard, um, you know, they all focus on telling stories and helping brands tell those stories. Is there a particular process for, for likable.com and, and, and likable as an agency to help tell a client's story? Yeah, that's a good that's a, that's a good question. So, I mean, I have um, I have eighteen sort of rules for of applying uh, Facebook and social media to to your business. Um, I, I we didn't discuss this beforehand, and so I don't want to be too much of a of a plugger. But I'm, I am writing a book, uh, as as are I'm sure lots of folks in in the space, and. Um, and the book's going to talk about my 18 rules, and one of the, the two of them involves stories. So one is share great stories, and the other I actually think is more important than sharing great stories, and that's inspiring great stories. Mm. So I think that for brands using social media and, and really brands doing any sort of marketing and communication in, in this day and age, it's essential 
to be able to to share stories, but it's even more important to be able to inspire customers to share their own stories that relate to the brand and the and the, and the brand experience. And I think those 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 are. That's that's what we always strive for when when we talk to a client. It's, it's how can you how can you connect with your customers in a way that that not only are you sharing your story with them, but you're 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 getting them to you're inspiring them to to share their own stories and create their own stories. So basically, you're trying to help your clients, customer, the end consumer, have such an amazing experience that they want to go and tell other potential consumers about their you know interaction with your client yeah exactly so likable really has two pretty distinctly different um, meanings um, likable likable from a literal standpoint you know the, the like button is now on over 300,000 websites and obviously it's on Facebook and obviously it's on YouTube and it's on Foursquare and it's on Yelp and it's everywhere you turn and the, the the importance of creating and sharing content that is worthy of clicking the like button is more important than, than, than ever, and it will only grow in importance. So that's the literal meaning of likable. But the figurative meaning of likable um, is equally, if not more important, um, Kate, because the, you know organizations need to be likable, and they need to be transparent, and they need to be responsive, and they need to be engaged with their customers. And if they're not, they're going to fail. Um, large organizations... Um, have difficulty changing, and I'm, I'm sure we could both rattle off a whole bunch of law big companies that aren't very likable. Oh, yeah. um, but I think in order for them to have any shot at, at continuing to grow and, and even stick around in this sort of new web and new economy and transparent world, they've got to quickly become the sorts of organizations that are worthy of being likable. And, 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 and people walk around saying, I love those guys, not not complaining about how difficult it is to, you know, have a, have a call off customer service and, you know, wait on hold. And, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of companies that don't have very likable um, processes in place. Oh, sure. They're, yeah, there are a lot of companies that don't put the customer experience first and foremost. They're more worried about, you know, the process and for legacy reasons why that process was set in motion, um, at least in my experience. Yep. And, that, and that's where it gets really scary because, you know, a, a lot of our you know mutual colleagues in this space know that you are one bad phone call recording, one flip cam incident, one cell phone picture away from destroying your brand image. So it, it's just a, a critical key piece to uh, have uh, the initiative to be likable and and be engaged with your consumers. So you know, one of the things that uh, I, I uh, definitely appreciate about most agencies is trying to figure out kind of which side of the fence you're sitting on. And, and very few p- folks kind of sit in the middle, but uh, you know, there are the agencies that help people tell their help clients, tell their brand, tell their stories um, and do so for them. And then there are those who kind of act as coach mentor. And then there's a few that will then start because they need to get that immediate success and then throw it over the fence and help someone inside the company, tell the story long-term, which, you know, which is the kind of way that, that likable leans. Well, that's a great question, and I've seen I've seen these different business models in play. Um, we will we will follow the lead of our client and what they want. Um, there there are, I think, in an ideal world, um, co- companies are doing this almost all internally, um, but it's not an ideal world, and <laughs> and 
for many organizations, especially large organizations that are used to outsourcing quite a bit of their marketing and quite a bit of their communication, um, they, you know, they don't want to do it internally. So, so you know, it, it, it depends. We have different relationships with different clients. Sure. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously always start and do a discovery process and, 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 and do a consulting process and teach them. Um, often we'll end up executing as well. So okay. um, where, where, um, where clients want us to help in the execution mode, you know, we work hand-in-hand hand with them. Um, in many cases, actually managing uh, communities, uh, we manage uh, lots of, uh, you know, dozens of, of Facebook pages for our clients. And, and so, you know, we get to know their voice really well, and then, and then we do uh, tell their story, you know, with them. And on their behalf. Sure, yeah. I mean, especially with the large companies that, that you're working with, I totally understand that that is their mentality, right? They have their core competency, whatever that may be, uh, be it producing product or you know even services, and their primary thing is not to go out there and interact with the general public. It's to serve their clients and customers. So I understand both sides of that equation, but it's always one of those things that I love to hear, especially founders' thought processes on how they would like it to be. Well, you know, Dave, one of the things that I love to do is, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to admit it, but I, I am a reality TV junkie for a long time. And that's actually how the first time that I became aware of you. So, you know, why in the world would you have tried out and then successfully got on and get to the end of Paradise Hotel? What was the idea behind that? Well, um, <laughs> I was at a time in my life where I was uh, single and um, I had just finished up, uh, you know, sort of a couple of years working for a big company in uh, Disney and oh, wow. um, I had my own consulting practice. And so I had, I had sort of the opportunity to come and go as I pleased. And, um, you know, I was a fan of some reality TV myself and I said, why not? And went through the sort of casting process, and you know, I, I, I didn't know exactly what the show would be like until I, I, I showed up there. And it was a, it was a, it was a really interesting experience. It was um, for anyone that saw it. And you know, obviously, I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't like most of the folks on the show, which was but, a, but, a shame, know, it, a huge shame in my eyes, because you know what, you were always <laughs> trying to play the game, and that's the goal: play the game. Right, right. Well, well, you know, it was sort of like. I'm very, I'm a very competitive guy, Kate, and so, you know, I, I, I was there to have a good time, but I, I liked having a purpose. I, it, you know, I didn't really get like just lounging around for for nothing, and so, so you know, I did, I did play, and I, I made it to the finals, and uh, you know, it didn't quite work out in the end, but you know, it's really, hey. you know, all's all's well that ends well, oh, of course. Absolutely. And so, um, uh, yeah, you definitely. It was certainly you... a unique. Go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's certainly a unique experience, and I, I learned a lot about sort of how people interact. And uh, it, it, it happened pre-social media, so so it's interesting now seeing how reality shows sort of run and how you know folks like these the Jersey Shore kids are so um, you know I don't know famous and how how word spreads now with social media uh, with these shows. And I I sometimes wonder how it might have been different if uh, Facebook had been around uh, for uh, for Paradise Hotel. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it, you know, to sit there and think that the situation is going to bring down about $5 million this year in, in, in total endorsements and ads and other things that he's doing in addition to his 
new GTL iPhone app. I just can't believe that this guy is continuing to monetize at every opportunity. Whoever is managing him and on the social side is doing so beautifully. So I don't know if that's yeah, you. Yeah, or... your cat. Tip yeah. your cat, man. I mean, uh, you know, God bless him. It's, uh, no, it's a strange country we live in, but, um, you know, he, he, he certainly pulled it off. Yeah, I, I, you got to respect a guy who's going to hustle that hard. I don't care him or his team or who he's surrounding himself with, but you got to respect it. Dave, one of the things that I love to close out the show with, though, is giving my guests the opportunity to highlight some of the folks who they're following on Twitter or just on the social web in general whose content they really enjoy consuming. So who are some of those folks for you? Sure. Well, you know, I, it's interesting. I want to say I, 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 I'm going to just sort of tell you who they are and uh, – some of them might be, you know, really obvious, but um, I still have to give them their props. I mean, I mean, Gary V. You talk about hustle, and Gary's been uh, been been one of the leaders from the start in in, in this business. Uh, Chris Brogan, um, you know, say what you want about him. I know, I know, not everyone. Uh, I, I love the guy. I think he's really, really smart. Um, you know, somebody that you may not follow too closely that I have immense respect for is a woman by the name of B.L. Ackman. Uh, she writes the What's Next blog, she, and, and, and she's terrific. Um, I love Amber Nasland. I love uh, Jay Bear. I love I love Eric Qualman um, uh, from Socialnomics. Yep. I think he's a total genius. Um, I love Mari Smith. Uh, also, you know, has been controversial, but I, I think she's a darling, and, uh, and 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 she has been all over uh, Facebook for solopreneurs and for small businesses, and so love the work that she's doing. Uh, I like uh, Rachel Levy at a Boston at Boston Marketer. I think she's done a nice job. And frankly, I could go on and on, Kate, but you only have so much time. Uh, so, so, so the la- my last, but the last important guy I follow on Twitter is at Kate Workin. Oh, geez. That's not what I want. I was not fishing for a compliment there, but that's a hell of a list of folks, right? I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you have to pay respect to the people who are out there doing it great and who you consider to be your colleagues and, uh, you know, you know, huge respect to all those folks, even though I got into a tiff at a conference with uh, Mari, but uh, she, she's she's incredibly intelligent and she knows what she's doing on that platform. So while I may disagree with some of her thoughts, I definitely respect her greatly. Dave, thank you again for coming on the show. My pleasure. Uh, it's been a good time, and uh, I, I, I'm excited now to sort of follow the Meet My Followers podcast. I, I appreciate that. And there you have it. That is This Week in the Can. Please follow Dave. That's at Dave Kirpin. His company is at Likeable Media on Twitter, but it's just likeable.com if you want to go check out their website. And uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed this kind of week of ragtag episodes. I've had a blast doing it. Um, And uh, please come back on Monday and listen to to, uh, the next episode of the show. Either way, though, guys, go out there and have a great day and a fantastic weekend.